by Thorgerson Bunsen Burners, as well as True Flame Heating. Today, we're going to stop talking in this uh and Yeah, because as soon because, as you got yeah. to me, I was going to blow things up. Yeah, anyways. Hey, John, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. How it's are good, you? Good. I'm, I'm happy to be back with you because we did the first one, the first mm-hmm. in the lab a few weeks back, took a break for Senior Bowl, Yep. and now we're back. And yeah. for those of you just getting uh, acquainted within the lab, which is probably all of you, John and I sometimes nerd out. We uh, come up with, uh, what five Oilers would you like to put on the current Texans roster? Or Okay, can we do that one real quick, or are we going to save that one? Let's do speed round. Go. Marks Robertson. Chris Safe, Dishman. Safety, corner, yeah. Uh, oh, Matthews, Munchak. Yep. And let's see. Uh, I put Eugene Seal. Special teams. <laughs> That's a hell of an inside linebacker you can mm-hmm. fill in. Uh, okay, I, I got to start with Matthews because mm-hmm. you know what you can you can make the case that he's the greatest Oiler ever. It's, I agree. It's an argument. I agree. Okay, I go Matthews and Munchak right mm-hmm. off the bat. No questions asked because Matthews can play everywhere, and then you've got a Hall of Fame. They're both Hall of Famers. Then you got a Hall of Fame guard in Munchak. Mm-hmm. I start there. Uh, don't need Warren Moon because you got Deshaun Watson. That's right. I would like. I would like Ernest Givens there in the slot. Oh, that's good. That's you good. Know, and he can do some other things. He was a solid receiver. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'm with you on the safety help at Marcus Robertson. Uh, and you know what? I'll go old, old school. Oh, I know where you're going. Ken Houston. Yeah, that's your a good other one. Safety. I just thought about yeah. that when you said You old were kind of thinking, though, like we kind of grew up around the same yeah, yeah. time. And I'm, I'm cool with that, the uh, late 80s Oilers. Yeah. I happen to see Marcus Robertson. Uh, he's coaching with the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, watched yeah. him. I, I watched him. I'm fascinated by watching coaches. And watching coaches coach, uh-huh. and so being on the sideline at the Senior Bowl, getting a chance to see those guys up close and personal, and even you know for our Texans, I mean, we can see them, but a lot of times we can't hear them, uh-huh. you know, because you know if we're here, we're kind of pushed back. And with the Greenbrier, you can you know where my perch is, where up on the on the stands where I can see everything, but you can't really hear everything all the time. Yeah. But getting a chance to really be down there and hear them and hear them coach, and I saw Marcus Robertson. He was dealing, he was working with the safeties. He was fun to watch, man. He was really he was. He was really – he would be encouraging, and then he'd be like, man, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, but it was without – it wasn't that, like, you're miserable. Just get out. You know, it wasn't that kind of negative coaching. It was just – he was really good with the safeties, I thought, for the North squad. That's going to be fun to see what he does because that's going to be a transition there in Denver mm-hmm. with, with the, the pieces in place. Yep. I want to make a change. I want to swap in Earl Campbell for Givens, and I want to add our buddy Brad Hopkins as my fifth. So yeah, that's a good one. Just revamp the line. Right? Yeah, that, that's a good one. I just figure I would play Matthews at tackle, Munchak at guard, yeah. and then I'd be okay because I feel okay with Nick Martin at center. Yeah. So now if I had to pick between Matthews and Martin at center, okay, well, yeah, I'd pick Matthews, but I'd like to but play Matthews, Matthews yeah, at Matthews tackle. Yeah, Matthews is a pro bowl at all yeah. five positions. Yeah, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You can put him anywhere. Okay, let's go into the lab, though, this week. We're, we, Like I was starting to say, we just kind of come up with different things, different ideas. You know, the very first in the lab we did, we were talking about the road records and home records of the teams the Texans will face next year. Today, I want to talk about reasons for optimism in 2018. And there's some of you out there hearing this and saying, oh, here they go. It's going to be more Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. talk. And Deshaun Watson talk is fun, but yeah. it's reasons for optimism that do not include Watson, the return of J.J. Watt, and the return of Whitney Merciless. Because okay. those are all three fish in a barrel you know those are reasons for optimism. 
as far as the Texans in 2018. I'm going to go first. We'll ping pong back and forth. But my reason for optimism is the maturation and continued development of both Bruce Ellington and Tyler Irvin. I think you're going to see some more from both of those guys. Well, the return of Bruce – well, the return of both from injuries because I think when Tyler went down – Bruce Ellington's presence kind of absorbed that blow a little bit. Got magnified, I think. But then when Bruce went down, there was really just nobody there to sort of take on that particular role, what they were asking Bruce to do. And they asked Bruce to do a lot. And it's interesting. I think with with Deshaun and this offense, they they didn't use Bruce in the true slot receiver capacity. They were using Bruce in that ghost motion, orbit motion type stuff to give some smoke and mirrors kind of things. But they didn't use him a lot in the true slot, little pivot, little whip route, uh, return route, West Welker sort of. Right. They were using him in a different in a different way. And I would imagine that will probably stay the same. And I think Bruce I think Bruce fits that role pretty well because he's got some running back in his system so they can run some of that stuff they can pitch out to him do some stuff and the same thing with Tyler I think Tyler is would be good in that role too and they could use big use both of them in that role yeah and, and that's what I like is they can add some different layers to some of the things they're doing but I think both of them could be a true slot if you wanted them to be so I think it's going to be interesting to me to see how the offense develops from that from that this point forward because everybody says oh you gotta have this and i've i've said it for a long time you gotta have a slot receiver well if you're gonna run the offense the way that it was constructed you don't, 14 I mean, through 16 you use the guys the way that they were used right. you don't necessarily need a quote-unquote slot receiver right right yeah. exactly and the way well, the DeAndre o- hopkins played slot receiver at uh, times absolutely he played it a lot in the last four years and he's tremendous at it yeah uh, he's tremendous and one of the things about hop going inside is you can tell a little bit more about the coverage depending on who lines up across from him because if you put a corner across from him that's been tracking him all game. Okay, well, it's man or some kind of man-match uh, combo coverage. You could tell. Uh, but the way the offense was running in 14 through 16, it needed a slot receiver. Now, in 16, maybe not as much because your tight ends caught 104 passes. Yeah. So maybe you didn't need a slot at that point. But to have a guy that can do something inside, I think, is uh, is is fantastic. But, yeah, Bruce Ellington, Bruce Ellington and Tyler Irvin. I think are huge, and that would mean getting both of them back from injury. Tyler's a little bit more significant yeah. than and Bruce's, but been working on it from the day he got hurt. The next day he was in for rehab and working from that point forward. And I was very optimistic about Irvin last year just going off of, well, he's going into year number two, mm-hmm. and then it got curtailed in the first month of the year, so we didn't get to right. see it. Okay, so I'm very excited. That's my first one. Okay, do about I go? the Ellington-Irvin. Yes. What are you really excited about? I'll non- go with the continued maturation theme here because I think it's a good one, uh-huh. of Zach Cunningham. I think Zach right. Cunningham is on the verge of being a guy that can do virtually anything on a football field that this defense wants. And I know new defense coordinator with Romeo versus uh, versus Mike Vrabel, but I don't know how much will change from that. Yeah. But I think having Zach Cunningham in the middle of this defense and all that he can do. I think the Pittsburgh the Steelers game was a great example and we'll have some telestrators that, that we're going to do uh, coming up pretty soon. And one of them that I picked, one of the plays that I picked was just a simple isolation play against Pittsburgh. An isolation play basically is offensive line blocks defensive line, and they isolate the, the linebacker 
with the fullback. The fullback eyes the linebacker, and we're going to just block everybody, and the fullbacks can come through and just blast the, the linebacker. And the inside linebackers are taught, as soon as you see isolation hole open up, you got to go. Yeah. you got to try and meet that fullback at the line of scrimmage. No worse. Clog things up for at, the running back behind it. At the line of scrimmage yeah. or a yard deep. I mean, you you got to see it and go. And this play is a great example of that because Cunningham sees it and goes. And he hits Roosevelt Knicks a half yard in the backfield. And because he does that, Le'Veon Bell has to kind of jump cut around, and he runs right into an unblocked Bernardrick McKinney tackle for no gain. And it just showed that was the part of Cunningham's game that I think people didn't think he had. The coaching staff even was surprised by that. But he showed that, and I think it's those kind of things. Now, he'll still run around a block. He'll still go underneath the block when you go, oh, boy, you better get there. But now he's got the speed to do it. And he's a rookie. And I mean, he's a rookie, he's, so he's, he's going to learn that stuff out. And, yep. and you know what? I like that uh, because that position group, the inside linebacker group with McKinney, mm-hmm. with Cunningham, and with Dylan Cole, right. I think you really have some quality and some depth there right. because I'm forever scarred by 2012. Let's yeah. go back to 2012. I don't want to. First five weeks of the year, you are humming yep. along. And Brian Cushing is – neck for neck with J.J. Watt as far as being such an impact player on right. the defense. He was the, he's coming off a team MVP award in 2011, yep. and then he goes down, so Brady James slides over into Cushing's spot. Eventually, you've got guys like Barrett Rude who are yep. out there covering Patriots wide receivers, and that, that that's, that's, was one of the Texans' death bells. Yep. So now things are flipped, but I've, I've always thought about that, that inside yep. linebacker spot. It's in much better hands, and you could lump in Cole and his maturation yep. as a reason for uh, – Optimism, I'm not going to, but that's on the list for sure. I love, love your inside linebacker. Okay, 1-1, one, one. Yeah. go back to you for number two. Okay, doke. Sticking with maturation, the Texans have waves and waves and waves of good, young, defensive linemen. Oh, you stole mine. Sorry to, bud. But Damn you. Guys but. that we didn't see much of late because of injury. Mm-hmm. Guys that we did see because of injury, but... All that soup gets jumbled back together, and you've got names like Covington, Reeder, Watkins, Dunn, Heath, that have all seen some time and done some nice things and shown some flashes, and they're going to be nice pieces behind the big dog, 99 Watt. You stole mine. That I that was on my list. I, oh, getting the I mean, you think about it. At the end of the year, you're playing without Watt, Reeder, Covington. Your starters, Joel Heath was banged up, and yep. I think I think Joel's, I think Joel's got a lot of promise. I think Joel's got a lot of promise. I still don't understand how he didn't get drafted. He's a player. I, yeah, I'm not saying you know high, but he he de- he he deserved to be drafted. No, there's no question. You know, Greg Mance deserved to be yeah you know, drafted. But, but he got he had the shoulder. Yeah, the injury, and I think maybe Joel's dealing with some injuries. And, and look, at, at Michigan State, he was overshadowed. There were a lot of players at Michigan State ended up getting drafted. Some yeah. of those guys overshadowed because what they asked Michigan State defensive linemen to do, a little more um, kind of plug-and-play grinders, if you will. And so really weren't going to show out. But then you see a guy like Heath, and you see how physically impressive he is. Okay, I'm going to shock you with number two. Let's do it. I'm going I'm to shock you with number two. Stan Thomas, UT, shocked the world in 1990 shock? or I'm – uh, about, maybe depends on depends on how you look at it. If you understand what I just said, you're out there in listening land. Just tweet at me and John and say yeah. something about that. But go ahead. Um, Kevin Johnson coming back now mm-hmm. before people lose their ever loving minds because I think Kevin would tell you, I'll tell you, I think his coaching staff would tell you, I think a lot of people would tell you 
Kevin did not play well the last six games. After the Baltimore game. I thought he played pretty well in the Baltimore game. The Baltimore game on, I think Kevin would tell you, didn't play exceedingly well. Yeah. Now, he got hurt in that second game against Cincinnati. And he had been hurt for most of 2016. So, I think it was in that week four, or no, week six against Indianapolis in 2016, the comeback game on Sunday night where Kevin got hurt. And I, just, I remember seeing him outside the locker room and just head in his hands. And had and a I'm good like, game. He had a great game. I mean, he held T.Y. Hilton in check pretty much on his own. He was outstanding. I think somewhere along the way, Kevin Johnson lost his confidence. And I don't know – I don't know what it was in particular. If he just didn't feel like he was healthy, if he just felt like I, I think that's the main thing. He, he just wasn't. He just wasn't himself yeah. health wise. You know, and and I think that impacted his confidence. I think he was trying to grind through it because he knew how banged up the team already was, and I, and that's admirable. And and I say all this because I think the physical skills are still there. Yeah, I went back and I watched the Seattle game, and I watched it pretty in depth from a. Uh, all 22, and it's probably, I don't know, gosh, was it the fourth or fifth time I'd seen it? But I decided to focus a little bit more on the the secondary in that game and look at the secondary because it was not it was not a pretty afternoon, to say the least. And I watched Kevin make breaks and read 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 the receiver's routes and do those things. And, man, he was right, he was right there. There were a couple times where it was just, it was, I mean, it was a difference of, like, an inch or two. But you could see that he still had the transitional quickness. He still had the breaking ability. He just, that afternoon, it would be, like, a great play. The example of that was he was covering Paul Richardson on a deep comeback route. And he, he's playing off coverage, which is not an easy coverage to play. He's playing off coverage. But Kevin can play it because he can transition so quickly. And so Kevin sees it, and he makes a break. And I'm telling you, you see him shoot out of the break, and you're like, yo, that's what you like. Yeah. But then right as he's about to make a play, as right as he's about to reach out, he kind of trips a little bit and his hand goes down instead of across and the ball goes right there for a completion. And you're like, dang it, he's right he's right there yeah. to make a play. Now he's got to start making them. I think as long as his confidence is not completely shot. And I, and I know people are going to say, well, he's got he's to stay healthy. Well, yeah, hell, I know that. He knows that. We all know that. But I'm saying – as far as pure physical skill, the secondary needs help, but Kevin's got to be that foundation piece and the reason why he was drafted in the first round. You can't. That's yeah, number two. He, he, you can only go up with what he did. And I'll go back to August when he was coming back off the injury. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, what did he do? He just had the greatest season of yeah. his career. He was <laughs> yeah, the was top incredible. receiver in the league. Well, DeAndre Hopkins was fighting tooth and nail with Kevin Johnson in training camp at the Greenbrier. Yep. Kevin Johnson looked really, really good. He was, he was coming back from everything. But then it was just a series of starts and stops health-wise mm-hmm. for him. And I really think that eroded what you're talking about, the confidence. It erodes skill physically. If you're not out there yep. and you're not getting to do stuff, right. uh, getting to do get, get the reps. So I know that's crazy yeah. to sound to no. people because people are like, he was the worst well, he's pro be... football focus. <laughs> yeah, but so, you, so A, you can only go up. B, he's going to get better. And you know why one of the reasons he's, he's also going to be better my second reason, right. that defensive the front defense is going to get after the, yeah. the Texas, Absolutely. after the quarterback much more. Absolutely. I'm with you. Kevin Johnson, sunny days ahead. Okay, my third and final, it's kind of along the same lines of what we just talked about with Johnson. The offensive line can only get better. I believe they're going to. You're going to see some action in free agency. I think the Texans are going to be pretty heavy in free agency. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see some faces added through the draft. And 
along with the return of Nick Martin, along with Julian Davenport, who I was really impressed with the guy. And based off of what the coaches were saying, they really liked what they saw in him or out of him the last two, three games of the year. Those two pieces and then something from Mance, something from Questenberry, I believe, you're going to be all, a little bit better next year. And, oh, yeah, Watson helps your, your offensive line play much better. Yeah, it's <laughs> – He elevates the, the – the, so that what, what all – all boats rise with the tide or something, he's, yeah. he's going to be the tide. Now, my third one, that's a good one. My third one is it, it, it comes with a little bit of a caveat. Okay. I like but caveats. You got, but you got to have you got to have a part A so you can get to part – well, I'm sorry. you got to have part A so that you can then select part B and then hopefully part C comes because you selected the right guys. And what I'm getting at is 2018, free agency, you've got money. But you've got to spend well. Right. You can't go buy Zeke Avarici jeans nope. when they're thirty years out of out of focus. You know what I mean? Stay away from the Jabos too. Yeah, you got to get away from those. The guest jeans, you know, if you want uh, retro style. Some maybe. might say those are timeless, but maybe yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of up to kind of up to everybody else. But I think twenty eighteen free agency. I think if the Texans, if the Texans hit on two players, and I mean hit, I mean I'm talking. A.J. Boyer, Clayus Campbell, uh, Barry Church hit. If you hit on two players. Go to the Super Bowl if that happens. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the point. But you've got to spend well. Now, here's here's the thing. In spending, the Texans, and we've talked about this, offensive line and secondary. You would think that offensive line and secondary, that those would be the two areas to spend. The question becomes, do you have guys that you want to spend it properly on? Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at the guys – that are available, you're like, okay, well, Nate Solder, left tackle, New England. He's got experience in the system, obviously. What does he have left in his game? He's going into his eighth year. Is he going to get a big contract in New England? No. Is he going to test the market? He probably should. Will he have suitors? Probably so. So you may have to overpay for him. But if you get a good three years out of Nate Solder, a really good three years out of Nate Solder is your left tackle, my goodness. Because think about that. I thought about this. Just – just go with me on this because this is what I'll the offseason is all, all about. I like what it. if you end up having Nate Solder at left tackle, you move Derek Newton into left guard, and your center is Nick Martin, and then Julian Davenport becomes your right tackle. Cooking with gas again. Now now you're like, all right, all right. Now the team's got to decide what it's going to do with Xavier Sufilo. It, you know, with Jeff Allen, I can, I'm not sure the, ramp, the, the parameters of his deal. But just that that one move. I like it. Now, I don't think Nate Solder is perfect. I don't think he is the the, the cure-all. But what was there right. in 2017 right. here at left tackle? Right. No knock on those guys, but it's it, an upgrade. You're it was going- not good. It was it was not good. I, I'll tell you, and I think everybody would tell you, and the coaching staff would tell you, and I don't know if they'll say it publicly, but but I think everybody that with two eyes could watch and go, that wasn't good. I mean, Coach O'Brien would tell us that. He goes, yeah, the offensive line didn't play well. I mean, you could, you could tell. Now, there were times the offensive line did play well. Or play 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 better, you know. It wasn't perfect. I mean, Cincinnati that night when when they've got no tight ends and they got no play action passing game because they got no tight ends. They're doing a pretty good job. Of they protecting got the job Sean. done. They got yeah. the job done from Cincinnati right. through Seattle. That stretch and it getting the job. And, and you're right, starting. getting the job done. But they got to go beyond that this year. So yeah. I'm just throwing it out there, like a guy like Nate Solder. Now, maybe it's maybe it's a a, a guard that maybe we don't we don't know a lot about. But if you look at the offensive line, here's the problem. There just there aren't a lot of guys. There's more 
demand than there is supply. And whenever that's the case, you know economics, that's going to end up meaning that you're going to overpay for somebody because there are going to be eight teams that want to have one particular player. And I'm not saying Nate Solder's the guy they end up with. I'm just saying he's the one guy that we know is a definite free agent um, amongst that group. Because you look at, the, look at the group of free agents, you're like, man, where are they going to find a player at that spot? But secondary, there are probably a few more guys. And so maybe the value matches what you're looking for that maybe you look in the secondary. But to me, with the free agents and the money you have, You've got to spend wisely. And the one other area where you really got to take advantage is because you have a rookie quarterback whose salary is restricted, essentially, over these next two, three years, you've got to take advantage of that. Yeah. You've got to pay Jadeveon Clowney to keep him here. You've got to make sure that you hit on free agents this year, and now you're off and running all because you have a second-year quarterback that's not going to get paid $25 million a year yet. Okay, let's wrap this up. This has been an episode of In the Lab. We've got some of the other scientists that have just funneled in from their lunch break and they're Oh, they're scientists, they're all right. They're setting up their beakers and their Bunsen burners. You think we go in the lab, these jokers. Yeah. So to recap, our three reasons for optimism apiece for the Texans to be better that don't include Watson, Watt, or Merciless's return, I'm going with Ellington and Irvin's maturation, mm-hmm. the young defensive linemen, and the O-line having nowhere to go but up. Your three are Zach Cunningham, and mm-hmm. inside linebacker, Kevin Johnson's renaissance, yes, and hitting on two key free agents this March. Have to hit on two key free agents. I like it. Right. you got to spend money, I would think. I don't always like going the free agent route. I don't like going the free agent route. It's different now, though. It's not like – But you don't have been, your top two yeah. picks, so yeah, you different. almost have to hit those two picks. You know, Those will be like your first and second round picks. Yeah. So we had a fun episode. Let's put two episodes up on the whiteboard of two episodes without having to use the pull-down shower, without having to use the eyewash. We didn't spill anything on the floor. I I singed my eyebrow, though. Right, but you didn't have to use the eyewash. That's right. I'm I'm good. good. It counts. Okay. So that smell, that's my eyebrow burning. Thank you all for listening, and we can't wait to talk with you again in the lab. (laughs) 